The Anton Savage Show on News Talk. Because this Thursday is Bastille Day, we decided that we would use the Ask the Expert slot to look at some, some of the contributions that France has made to the globe's culture. And of course, France has given us many, many things. But the thing that they are probably most significant in is their contribution to cuisine and to cooking. So we decided to ask on a man who is uh, immersed in French cuisine. Uh, he is the uh, head chef at one of the more exclusive French chateaux and he's going to talk to us a little bit about the contribution that French uh, cooking has made over the years. Gary O'Hanlon, how are you? Anton, how's things? So come here, this contribution to uh, of the French to cooking, it's not just that they are the best at it, it's that they sort of wrote the rule book that we now apply. Yeah, I don't know about being the best at it because they had to fly in a guy from Donegal to cook in one of the <laughs> nicest chateaus in the Loire Valley. So just cool your jets there a wee bit. They think they're the best at it and they probably were the best at it um, from from early times and from way back. And they, and they certainly wrote the code and they certainly, you know, put in the foundations of incredible cuisine that has followed and has been followed through the years and even when I went to college myself in Killy Beggs in the 90s I mean it, it's all from the book of Escoffier like it's all it's all derived from you know those early learnings and teachings but France France is probably still the one it, it's the one place where they're so steeped in tradition that that the the fact the of even moving on or learning and evolving, they're just not interested, you know. Like, but look, there is. Oh, still as in so- you whip out some lemongrass or one of those things. <laughs> and say, ah, steady. Yeah, you know, you start, like, you know, adding a different kind of infusion to an espanol, and you could get a clip around the ear from some <laughs> old French dude. You know what I mean? But then again, you know, you look at some of the best chefs in the world of the best restaurants. You know, like Ducasse and that. Like, I suppose they're they're steeped in that history. But the best of the best in today's world have still gone with the times and evolved and lightened stuff up and done whatever. But definitely they would be credited with, you know, the early foundations of where we are today. You mentioned lightening stuff up when um, Escoffier, and I want to talk to you a bit about the, what Escoffier did. But one of the things that he sort of codified was the, the approach to sauces. Mm. Back in the day, making a sauce was something that took about six weeks and a thousand euros worth of ingredients. I mean, even a demi glass is, yeah. once you have to roast bones, then you have to simmer them down over a day and a half, then you have to repeat the process, and that's only to get an ingredient. Yeah, but like that's how I make stocks today as well. I think the finest kitchens in the world or the finest kitchens in the country are still still based. I mean, you've got the five Muller sauces, um, what, Espanol, um, Velute, Bechamel, uh, sauce tomate and then hollandaise you know and then you have all the derivatives from there so you know like your demi glaze is a mixture of like a basic brown stock and then an espanol an espanol being you know a foundation with like that sort of tomato there's a mirepoix in there is like a French mirepoix you know onions carrots celery in a dice and cooked but there's but also see, this is what the, I find interesting when you talk about this kind of stuff Gary this is not the stuff that you see on Saturday Kitchen this is not the no. stuff that's in most cookbooks but it is the the skeleton of all top quality French cuisine, isn't it? Yeah, without a doubt. You know, the thing for me in in the finer restaurants, Anton, you know, is 
is the eye closing moment. You know, as I always say to people, like, you know, when I'm in a place or I'm I'm eating the food of a chef that knows their craft, and you know, somebody might not appreciate like a sticky glaze that's maybe over an Andrew pigeon or it's over a, a chicken breast, or whatever. But I'd be like, going, wow, like this the the workmanship and the skills in there, you know, to have, to have created like that gelatinous glaze that's then put over something and like put under a grill, almost like a soul bon femme or stuff. You know, these old classical dishes. It's amazing and it's beautiful, and and it's also layers like cooking for me is foundation of fl- flavor. Like you don't build a house without a really solid foundation. You can build bricks; it'll fall down without the foundation, and that's how in my kitchens I've always looked at stocks and sauces. You know what I mean? Like saucieres are are the absolute epicenter of of a guest experience. Now, in is my a saucier is a guy whose job or a girl whose job it is. Just to make sauce. Yeah, generally, yeah. But you would have had them old school kind of brigades. Like nowadays, nobody has enough chefs. So you're like, <laughs> you're, you're doing pretty, you're, you could be expediting and then you could be the saucy and you're also checking in delivery. So it's, look. But it's, I go back for a minute. You said brigades. That's again another Escoffier contribution. What is the brigade system? Because it's one of those things we take for granted. But again, it was when the rule book was written. Yeah, well, I suppose like you just always had the certain stations, you know what I mean? From the executive chef or the head chef, the sous chef, the chef de partie, and then the commie chef, and the chef de partie being like over a section, and then they would have maybe commie chefs driven off off of them then. like so, be, And then you go right down into kitchen porters or kitchen assistants, whatever you want to call it. So does them. that mean you have one person doing meat, one doing fish, well, one you, doing Well, fish? you can have like different... I've never really ran my brigade like that. Like that, that is maybe an old school French way where you have guys just on on fish you know I know lots of kitchens around Ireland still have that they have a guy on fish you have a guy on larder which would be butchery now a guy on larder so your larder chef would be responsible for the meats I mean nobody really hangs meats anymore like I mean when I would have started my career in the Rosapena and Donegal we had a hanging room downstairs so I would have lifted carcasses off trucks and we hung them and then we rotated ourselves so everybody used to have hanging rooms and you'd be aging and then your larder chef would be responsible for you'd have a, a usually a butcher's room and a larder room in, in another part of the hotel and that's why when you go into really really old hotels the kitchens are so much bigger than the modern day kitchen the modern day kitchen has far better ovens far better steamers far better like vat pans and all these sorts of things and all the room is given to bedrooms because that's where the money is you're, you're not you don't have these so nobody's big, in the background breaking a four quarter of beef or any of that kind of very, stuff very very little and then because a lot of the companies now as well have the ability to break down stuff a whole lot better so it's coming to you in a better way you know what I mean but I would have loved that way of you know you're bringing it in you're hanging it then you're you're deboning that sirloin and then you're roasting that bone and then you're making a, a beef stock and then from there you're making your espanol and you're creating your foundation sauce I mean, but over was, days, Gary. Oh yeah, over well, you, days. The thing about days, right, is you know to to be, to get in Viewmount House or even in Chateau or the Condor now, Chateau de Coudre, so where I am, to get to the base where I would start a sauce is a two three day process of just you know you roast the veal bones and then you boil them down, you strain it. That's your best stock. Let that into a bucket, let it cool into the cold room or the walk in. Then those bones get covered with cold water again. And you have a mirepoix in there as well. You have carrots and onions and celery. You cover them again because you'll get another bit out of those bones. 
and then you do that three times over three days and you put all three together and as they've cooled down you'll you'll take the fat off the top the little layer of fat that settles on the top you take it off then you'll take all three of those like from maybe 10 litres and 5 litres and 3 litres all back together and then you'll bring that down so you've gone from maybe 60 litres or 70 litres or more down into seven or eight liters of really, really thick gelatinous. You know, you're having to get like a metal spoon to really, really go into it. And then you have this beautiful jelly, like brown gelatinous um, stock where you then start making a sauce au poivre from there. But that's the thing that I think is amazing that you then start then making sauce, sauce. <laughs> six days and 60 litres into it and you're only being but some of that changed though in, in French cuisine didn't it there was a sort of a backlash against the slightly heavier the the really over sauced in, in sort of food in the 80s and 90s in France wasn't there I went to college in 95 like 95 I did my leave and so 95 to 97 98 and you know at, at that point the, the thing about food right is that it always goes through stages where one nation or one crew thinks that they're the best or the creme to the creme, you know what I mean? But ultimately, no matter where you are, if it's the guys in New York, funny enough, saying like they're the best of the best or the boys in London, there's a good chance that there's a couple of French floating around them cities and there's a good chance that they spend some time in Paris. So whatever way you look at it, you know, they really, really are, you know... It's the arrogance that makes you want to say that but they're not a, that good. You know, it's what I mean? also but it has to are. be said, Gary. They have managed to retain the judgment book because effectively, yeah. it's still the Michelin Guide that, to a large degree, it's it's a French publication yeah. that chooses who's the best and who's and, not. And they they live by by the guide. You know what I mean? Like that guy had a French restaurants, do they? Well, just French chefs. I mean. You know, having a star just puts you on a different footing with some French. They have stars. I mean, if you spend the time, like I, I was lucky enough with a with a client recently, like to to partner up with a two star Michelin chef, um, Jerome Lagarde from from France, and you know the first four or five hours working alongside each other was a bit of a rope and open going on. But you gotta, you've you, like you, you gotta be really confident in in your beans and where you've been in your career and you're cooking alongside. He's tasting my gear, I'm tasting his gear, but this is his gig. Like, like I'm I'm working with him in my domain, but you know, he has a client on site and that's the type of place we are. I mean, it's just as far as Jerome and I, and we've become close enough ever since, you know what I mean? But those first seven, eight hours in each other's company was just utterly silence and tasting and tasting. And the respect came from the tasting. But he made something, he made something over that trip that I'll remember for the rest of my life. And it looked to me like I'm like visually that that's awful, you know, but it was like a measle glazed heck with a spaghetti or julienne of vegetables on croute in a puff pastry on croute. And I remember taking a bite of it thinking, oh, sweet mommy Jesus, that is amazing. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And I looked at it and I thought, and, and that really epitomizes a lot of them guys where it's just this most immaculate look. take off the whole edge take off the whole edge it's all so clean take a slice right down the middle tilt it up put it on a plate that's gold rimmed that, that looks like it's worth like way too much to be eaten off and then you're like wow that's just completely transformed has that. their attitude changed though to non-French chefs because in in the last maybe 30 or 40 years you had Marco Pierre White being the youngest non-French chef to get the three stars you've guys like Thomas Keller with the French yeah. Laundry and Per Se over in the US is there a sense now that 
non-French chefs are the equal? Or is there still a sense among the French, no, 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 lads, you'll never quite get there? Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, those boys will think that they're the dogs, but the French boys will still be like, listen, you're only good because you were taught how to cook by us. Do you know what I mean? There's no there's no two ways about it. Like, the, the big boys, the Ducasses of the world, like the, the, the big, big guys in France. And if you look at Kelleher, you look at Gordon Ramsay, like, they all, like, Ramsay spent an awful lot of time in Paris and in Lyon, maybe, perhaps, as well. Uh, Thomas Kelleher, again, you know, you go into the you go into the French laundry, or you go into Per Se, and the mostly they're speaking French. You know what I mean? Like Ken Oranger was a guy that I just adored in in Boston. He owned a restaurant called Cleo, but they only spoke in French in the kitchen. He's American, dude. Like, you so know how I mean? do you get on being from Donegal in France, cooking in a French chateau? Is I imagine like when you go to the markets to buy, do people yeah, poo-poo the, you? Well, the markets is only where it really becomes a thing. Like, So that's where your knowledge really has to come out, especially when, when everything's written in French. So you need to know what it is. You need to know the joint. You need to know what it looks like. But again, culinary French is also something that you're taught. Like, So I never did French at school. I did German, and I was poor at that. But I ended up doing French in college because you had to you had to learn French at college uh, in Ireland. This is a culinary college? At culinary college French was a part of the curriculum you feel French you feel your college so I'd never done French You can't pass or in those days you couldn't no. pass cooking without French with a, Without French Yeah So there was a guy that come from the Gavroche to the Cav Wine Bar and I remember no, Paul sorry, the Gavroche that was one of the leading French oh, restaurants yeah, in the UK yeah. back in So the day. there was a guy that come from there and I was doing quite well at college you know like but I, I probably also had that as Mammy said you have a cheeky face like so <laughs> they were always a wee bit suspicious that I was going to get up the baller if I went to Westport where a lot of buddies went but Paul Flynn had just come back from Nico's and I don't know if Paul I might have said it to him over the years but I'd really you know there was no Facebook or no Twitter or no phones or whatever no way of getting a hold of Paul but I'm you know through the grapevine you would hear but I really wanted to work with Paul Flynn and he had gone into La Stampa at the time around the 90s there was another restaurant called The Commons that got a star I think it might have been a guy from England that was in there but Anne Deary was the head of CERT at the time and she says listen there's a little French wine bar on South Anne Street there's no hiding place. There's only one chef in there. He spent a bit of time in the Gavroche. And there's another French guy that when they open upstairs at the weekend. So this is back in the 90s when wine bars weren't exactly all over the place. And the Cav is still there today. I often stop maybe once every two or three years. I go in there for a glass of wine because I had the some maybe nine of the best months of my life working in there under an English guy that had spent time in the Gavroche. And I was on the line. And you know... La Stampa under Paul that time was doing maybe two fifty, two, three hundred people a night. Like a, a young seventeen year old, I was really young doing my leaving. Like so I was only about seventeen then when I was down here living. You know, I could have very easily now I had the heart of a lion, I would have found my way up the top, but I, it would have been tough, you know, it was a tough kitchen. But they only spoke French to us in La Cave. Like all the orders were in French. So I was doing pretty poor in French. Did that placement Went away, went back to college and it was straight A's, but because it, it was all culinary French, you know. And is your French now good? It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, you make up for it with your honesty. Yeah. Speaking of France, you got to head back out there soon because you you're, you're only rarely in the country at this stage when you're not out of the uh, Chateau. Gary O'Hanlon, great pleasure having you in. Thanks, Gary. The Anton Savage Show, Saturday morning at nine on News Talk.